Yeah, thank you for tuning in. It's more than a podcast. Inexhaustible episodes, God's vast. Glorify Him as we broadcast the Lord's grace and God's wrath. More serious than a bomb blast. Full disclosure inside the title. No surprises, simply put, guys with Bibles. Yeah. Just some regular reborn reformed cats If it's in the Bible then they're gonna speak on that Cause the scripture is the final word okay. Competing ideas quite absurd Of this you can be quite assured <laughs> yeah. We were lost in the darkness of night immersed in sin But then the, the light, light emerged. emerged It was the Son of God, divine Christ that shines light The word in Genesis that assigned life in hindsight And was revealed through the prophets and apostles We magnify and expound on the power of the gospel Yeah, yeah Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Guys with Bibles. I'm Lee. And I'm Sean. And we have a special guest with us today, Mr. Jordan Riggle. How are you, sir? I'm doing quite well. I'm an introvert, so I am enjoying this quarantine. (laughs) Right? Me too. Me too. (laughs) Yeah, it was interesting still being deemed essential even as a as an introvert and having to go out into the world which had fewer people in it which i guess made it a little a little more interesting yeah so jordan uh before we jump into our discussion here uh why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and and what you do specifically Uh, in audio format ah yes audio format indeed um so I'm a, a Reformed Baptist Christian um, father of three, married to a wonderful woman. Um, and so before all this craziness with COVID happened, uh, I started a Christian audiobook, a Reformed audiobook website, recording, producing, and um, offering Reformed Christian audiobooks. Audiobooks in the stream of Reformed theology. Um, so going back all the way to folks like Augustine and Athanasius, up to John Calvin. Um, haven't quite gotten to Dr. Martin Lloyd Jones yet, but he's in my sights. Um, and just I hit the pause while while COVID went on and all the craziness erupted across the world stage. Uh, but as soon as COVID kind of dies down, hopefully within the providence of God, uh, <laughs> hopefully I'll get, I'll get the audiobook website back up and recording some more audiobooks. Awesome. That's, that's, that's super cool. Um, cause there are some, I've, I've listened to like, so like on, um, on audible, if you go through and you like try to search for classic classic works that you would expect to have an audiobook form there either is none or it's really garbage um, or so highly it was, expensive or highly you expensive know, yeah that's true too yeah so it's it was awesome to hear and of course and you've got you've gotten a, a fair amount of press recently too uh you were on let's see you were on the bar podcast and you were on tulips and honey as well just talking and chatting and being generally awesome and uh, so we wanted to have you on and, and kind of talk maybe a little bit uh, of a different spin on things than maybe people have been chatting with you about on the, on podcasts recently. Uh, did you or did you not <laughs> on the Bar Podcast say that you were a fan of poetry? Answer I, truthfully. I stand guilty. Uh, <laughs> I am a huge fan of poetry. Uh, and instantly you lost... All your men listeners, like, <laughs> they turned this podcast off. They're like, okay, they're talking about poetry. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'll yeah, both. I'll talk time. to. You. I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah. Thanks for. No, I'm just kidding, Sean. I'm just kidding. I'm here. <laughs> well, I found that extremely interesting because I'm a, a fan of poetry as well, and I thought it was rather hashtag brave of you to put that out there in in the podcast world. So I thought I'd reward a little bit of that hashtag bravery and. 
and maybe poke your brain a little bit about poetry and especially biblical poetry and what it as a genre offers that maybe um, other genres don't really uh, supply. So, um, yeah, for sure. Let's go for it. What got you into poetry? Uh, so my first like poetry experience, right when when poetry really became a thing for me and kind of jumped off the page, because I grew up with Dr. Seuss and and nursery rhymes and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I grew up in Scranton, Ohio, uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania, where the yeah. office is actually set. Nice, yes. and, uh, Dunder yeah, Mifflin. Yeah, yeah. So I actually recognized some of the buildings in the intro because uh, it wasn't filmed in Scranton, but the, the intro was filmed in Scranton. So I recognized uh-huh. some of the buildings. But uh, my family moved to to Jamestown, Ohio, uh, when I was about nine years old, and the the gentleman who lived in the house we bought before we bought it. I uh, was a big Louis L'Amour fan. I don't know if you know Louis L'Amour, but he wrote sure. Westerns. Kind of, yeah, all right. There totally. we go. Uh, so he wrote these little, like, uh, you know, pocket-sized Westerns, 150 pages or so. And um, um, I just devoured those. Uh, he left a whole big box when he moved out. And so I'm, like, 10 years old reading these these Western novels. And... Um, and Actually, poetry features a, a relatively important part in some of these stories. And I remember mm-hmm. one of my favorite stories, uh, uh, a soldier in the Civil War, a major, uh, his wife is killed and he takes his son out west. Um, and he's teaching his son how to be a man. And this is like, you know, a brilliant guy. He can get the, the girl. He was a brilliant general. Um, and and he's, he's reading poetry to his son in a bar in a... And, uh, and a guy, you know, kind of a ruffian, uh, says, what are you teaching, you know, your son poetry for? You're going to turn him into a sissy. And, uh, you know, he keeps, pre- <laughs> he keeps pressing the major and the major flips out his Bowie knife and like stabs the dude's hand into the table <laughs> and recites, uh, the poem Ulysses right to him. Oh, snap. Right. And then pulls the knife out and says, all right, son, let's go. I'm sorry you had to see that. Uh, but you know, you need to know how to handle bullies. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I was like, that is like a manly ballsy thing to do. What is right. this poem called Ulysses? Like, what is this? And this was back, uh, when like the internet was still dial up. So it wasn't worth my time to get on the internet. So oh I man. Biked to the, the old days. yeah, you had to bite <laughs> to the library if you wanted to, <laughs> to like, read, you know, look up some information. Um, so I, I biked to the library and I asked the library and I was like, I'm looking for a specific poem, uh, called Ulysses. Could you get it for me? Um, or show me a good book that has it in it. And I actually bought the book years later, uh, at a sale the library was ha- having. So I have the, the, the book that I originally read the poem Ulysses in. And I mean, I was just hooked. The, the, the language, the sentiments expressed, uh, not very godly sentiments, but, they're super oh, no. cool, kind of manly. Um, when I read the lines, uh, you know, how dull it is to pause, to make an end, uh, to r- rust, unburnished, not to shine in use, as though to breathe were life, right? I read that and I was like, wow. dude, I'm, I'm, I'm a words guy. You know how some people are like, just mm-hmm. like intrinsically numbers people or like right. intrinsically musical or, um, like, they just get art. Uh, I just get words. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I enjoy words, um, stories, um, pretty much anything to do with words. I enjoy it. Uh, so, so poetry was just a natural outgrowth of that for me. Uh, plus just the idea of sticking my, a, a knife, you know, pinning a guy's hand to a table. Intrinsically yeah. linked poetry with manliness in my, in, yes. in my psyche because uh, I think a lot of men grow up thinking poetry is like a sissy girly thing 
Um, uh-huh. Absolutely. Which I think is, yeah, right? Like, it's just kind of beaten into us that, oh, you like Romeo and Juliet? Like, you're a sissy. Come on. <laughs> um, but, which I think they should not be teaching Romeo and Juliet at your first Shakespeare play. Like, give me give right. me Richard III, the blood, the guts, the warfare. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I always enjoyed Hamlet myself. Yeah, you know, Hamlet's pretty philosophical. Shakespeare yeah. wrote a lot of stuff that, like, his history plays that is just, like, straight on battles and, like, yeah. political maneuvering, yeah. um, which I think, that, you know, that's where you should start. Which is fascinating. Guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, because poetry is not, uh, like, a sissy type thing. I, I really think that started with the romantics, kind of like a, mm-hmm. a Wordsworth who's wandering through nature, like, oh, look at the trees and the clouds. Or like, <laughs> you know, Shelley, who was who, who was like kind of a sissy, kind of effeminate kind of guy. Um, and I'm like, let's bring it back to Homer, where like, you know, we're storming cities and racing chariots and spearing dudes with javelins, you know? Yep. Or Beowulf. Which is a classic. Yes. I I enjoy that one, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, J.R.R. So, Tolkien helped me uh, love Beowulf. Yeah. 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 Big time. Because um, Tolkien wrote some, some awesome Anglo-Saxon poetry. Yeah. Um, it's not in The Lord of the Rings, not in The Silmarillion. It's it's just um, him, him working out certain myths in, yep. in Anglo-Saxon mm-hmm. meter. And, and it's right. great stuff. <clears throat> you know, there's a, uh, this is talking about Beowulf. I saw there's an audiobook of Beowulf in a, I think it's in a new translation read by Doug Wilson. Have you heard oh, about this? That would, be, that would be incredible. I love and Doug Wilson's voice. It's got that like um, alliterative kind of punchiness that, uh, that, that the Anglo-Saxon poetry kind of naturally has, but they brought it over into con- kind of modern-ish uh, language. It, it's actually pretty phenomenal. And, of course, like like you said, Doug Wilson has an awesome voice anyway, so he really... It really sounds even manlier than it already <laughs> it already is, which is pretty... It's a, which is a big feat, I'm sure, to, uh, to accomplish. So, like, okay, so... So my my copy here. Oh, go ahead, oh, Sean. I was gonna say my copy of Beowulf. I can't find it right now. I'm looking for it, but um, it it has the old English on one page, and then the translated contemporary English on the on the uh, adjacent page. So so you can see how the language has changed. The linguistics kind of interest me a little bit, and I would mm-hmm. I have no idea even how to start pronouncing the old English words. And I would actually like to hear Beowulf in old English, just so you can see how the, how the language has like changed over time. Like it's not the same thing at all, but um, I always, that stuff interests me too. So yeah, there's actually a YouTube. uh, If you type in Beowulf performance, there's a gentleman who, who's like, uh, like he, he, his job is he like reenacts uh, various heroic poetry in the original languages, and so he does a, 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 a rendition of Beowulf with like a harp, and it's it's super cool. Oh, the cool. original, yeah, uh, just YouTube uh, Beowulf performance. Okay, you will not regret it. I I will do that right after the with his recording. <laughs> Smart move. So um, that's uh, that's a really cool story about how you got into into poetry, and uh, I know we kind of we've kind of razzed Sean a little bit, but he's uh, he's our uh, our a little bit of a poetry skeptic. So, um, what how would you uh, how would you recommend to Sean? Uh, how would you get Sean to like poetry, or well, someone like Sean? <clears throat> I'm, right. So I'm a I'm an artsy guy here, Jordan. So. <laughs> Okay, awesome. So we have some. Says the man grounds. with the mullet and a, and a handlebar mustache. <laughs> I don't know if we can be friends if you have a mullet, man. Like that's. Oh, like, I, I, oh, the Kentucky waterfall's flowing, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that. 
That's a bold move. Uh, bold, <laughs> I'm a bold guy. Words are failing me. I left you yeah. speechless. You haven't even seen it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, when you behold its glory, it really does leave you speechless. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if I'm I'm talking to a guy, uh, usually women are more open to the idea of poetry. Um, they might say, uh, uh, most of the women I've talked to say, like, I kind of like poetry. I don't really understand it. Uh, but, but, but I, I, I like it. Um, mm. and my wife falls into that camp. Uh, but if I'm talking to a guy, I, I just say, you know, um, you know, do you like women? Like that great line from uh, dead poet society. I don't like the movie, but the line is great where Robin Williams says, you know, why do we like poetry? Women. Um, <laughs> because, yeah, you know, if you think about iconic. it. God creates Eve, right, and brings her to Adam, uh, and the very first thing that comes, bursts out of his mouth is, is poetry, right? So right. it's, um, in our relationship with women, um, when I write my wife a poem, right, just on her birthday or for anniversary, or just because I love her and, and in the moment, uh, something brilliant pops into my head and I write it down and construct a sonnet out of it. Um, um, she responds to that, right? Um, because, mm -hmm. because there's something intrinsic about our relationship, uh, some, something intrinsic about seeing beauty as a human, we respond with words of praise often mm -hmm. in poetry form. Um, and so when you're writing poems or even just re reciting the great poems, uh, to your wife. That's how I wooed my wife. Uh, when we were dating, I would memorize poems and, uh, you know, m weeks ahead of time and just like wait for the perfect <laughs> moment. Right. And then she'd like turn to spin and like gaze into my eyes and the wind would be blowing. I would just like, these words would leak to my lips and she'd just <laughs> melt into my arms. Uh, and, and she never knew it was actually all planned. Right. Like, Man. I memorize these things way ahead of time. Uh, but there's something about powerful words, um, like Solomon, you know, words uh, fitly spoken, uh, choice words, beautiful words put together in a marvelous arrangement um, that affects us as humans, I would argue, mm -hmm. right, at, as an entire um, human race, but also women when you're pursuing them and trying to keep you know, this beautiful woman I married interested in me. Um, right. Um, but to get a little bit more serious, right, the the Imago Dei in, in Genesis, um, you know, subdue the earth, have dominion over it, um, I think primarily it's talking about, right, ruling over the earth, the garden, the animals, the beasts, but also um, taking the image of God that is in us and imprinting it onto the things in this world, right? So every time you create a garden and you create a beautiful um, fit, um, not just beautiful, but, a, but, but an arrangement of plants that has utility as well as beauty, um, the Imago Dei in you is being then impressed upon this garden, right? Um, right. Every time sure. we take sound vibrations, right, in the air, and we play with them mathematically on the strings of a guitar, we are impressing the Imago Dei into sound vibrations, right? And that's how you get something beautiful like Bach. Um, every time we take form and color on a two-dimensional plane and and create a beautiful painting, right? Like a, like a Leonardo da Vinci or a Picasso or a Renoir or a Vincent van Gogh, we are impressing certain parts of the Imago Dei into the physical universe, right? Yep. And so poetry is really the impressing of the Imago Dei that is, you know, if you're a poet, you're impressing, you know, 
the Imago Dei um, reflected in you, or if you're a listener, you're responding to the Imago Dei in the poem, um, the beauty that shines through the words as you're playing with um, breath, with sound, right, like uh, sibilance, the, the, just the liquid pattern of words, um, as, as the poet melds meaning and sound and, and uh, the force of breath, and it all kind of melds into this attention-arresting um, performance as a reader, you respond to that because the author has created something true and beautiful that re reflects the Imago Dei in themselves, which ultimately reflects the character of God. And we are, um, even the most hardened sinner is, is drawn to certain aspects of, of the character of God, right? We, even sure, the most absolutely. hardened sinner needs... Uh, uh, God himself just to enjoy a life. And so... Um, Even if he denies God or suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. Absolutely. Um, you know, he still will value truth, justice, beauty, uh, even though he suppresses that there's a God behind those things, right? So he's really using truth, justice, and beauty for his own ends. But still, the, the attributes and character of God he finds attractive. Um, and so as humans, uh, when we play and enjoy um, and create this, this Imago Dei receptacle called poetry, um, it, it, it's a, poetry is one of those things that is so primal and so words are so intrinsic to who we are as humans, because I think they are so intrinsic to um, God Himself, right? God speaks into right. uh, God speaks. Uh, Jesus Christ is the the Logos, right? Um, right. And so words are are important to us as humans because they are important to God. And then when you start to play with how they sound, right? Not just the pure meaning, which would be prose. Uh, mm -hmm. But the sound of the words, um, the the variance of breath within each line, and then you have meaning on top of that. Uh, something very, very deep and intrinsically human will respond. I guarantee it. Um, if, if it hasn't responded yet, I would assert that is because you have been taught wrong uh, or you're not <laughs> reading the right poetry. Uh, right. My wife does not really enjoy poetry, right? She doesn't read it for fun. She feels like she can't understand poetry that much. Mm -hmm. uh, and she's a, a highly intelligent woman. Uh, but when I write a poem expressing my, a, a sonnet expressing my love for her, like she cries. Mm -hmm. um, I read a, a poem by one of my favorite poets, Dana Joya. Um, oh, wow, yeah. Oh, you a fan of Dana Joy? Yes. Uh, yeah, that yeah, nice, very good. Uh, so, so his poem uh, "Reunion," if if you know that one, it's about going to a reunion, you know, years after high school, and you don't remember anybody, and you feel out of place. Um, but my wife's grandmother, well, both her grandmothers now uh, have dementia. One died of dementia-related causes, and oh. the poem, when you read "Reunion," can also be heard as. Um, this person is not going to a reunion, but is suffering from dementia. It's not specifically reunion related. And so it's talking about, you know, um, I don't remember anyone. Who is this person in the corner? Why, why does this man come up to me and, and ask me a question? Who is this woman who turns away when I ask her name? Um, mm -hmm. and, and my wife started crying because uh, the words evoked something very deep and primordial and, and essentially human within her, even though she doesn't uh, believe. I just looked that up the poem, and yeah, I I totally see that. Uh, especially these these two lines. I nod, pretending to recognize them, not knowing exactly what I should say. Exactly right. Um, and yeah. so it, it could apply either way. A reunion, or um, what really resonated for my wife was was uh, this person could have dementia. 
And, sure. and, and so if, if you believe you don't enjoy poetry, I would assert you're not reading the right poems, uh, or you've been educated out of um, your God-given right to enjoy poetry. I, I think our schools do a horrible job um, of, of educating people how to read poetry, and it really started in the 1920s. Uh, with the, the new modernist movement, they were brilliant scholars, brilliant poets, uh, and they came up with a brilliant way to study poetry and put it in all the colleges, and it trickled down to high school, but it, it doesn't teach people to enjoy poetry, to use it in their everyday lives. Mm -hmm. Before the new modernist movement, they would use poetry to teach history, to teach biology, um, you'd use poetry to remember mathematical rules, um, you know, you'd have... And really, in teaching it that way is more in keeping with how poetry's been used in human society forever. Exactly. You know, it was as much of a historical tool, I mean, it's how people memorized historical stories, was they were put to these rhythmic, um, rhyming sometimes, sometimes not rhyming in the original language, uh, formats for easy memorization. Exactly. We've, we've lost all that. Uh, po poetry is, is one of those things that is uh, almost like a cultural memory, right? Um, totally. Rob Robert Frost said, poetry is what it would impoverish us <clears throat> to forget. Um, oh, snap. And, and so... Uh, Why did he always have to say the right thing? Probably because he was a poet. <laughs> 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 it's kind of his job. Um, yeah, that's kind of the whole point. Well, yeah. Well, I have to say, um, I really enjoyed you comparing it to music, um, and and like when you said, uh, like when you mathematically uh, play mathematically sound waves on strings, like on a guitar you're reflecting the image of God. Um, it's, I've never quite heard it explained that way to me. Um, I grew up going to a little tiny public school out in the middle of nowhere, and I'm not going to blame them on educating me poorly on poetry. Um, but I am, no. Um, <laughs> but, but, but they... We just didn't focus on it a lot. Um, we read what we had to, and that was about it. And uh, the only poems that I've like voluntarily read are I do enjoy Edgar Allan Poe. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I love Paradise Lost, and I love... Uh, the Divine Comedy, Dante. Yes, yes. Um, those three. So you do, you do actually like poetry. I like poetry, but like, <laughs> I don't go out and buy like contemporary poetry books, and I don't know anybody's name. I don't know poets' names just because I I don't. It's it sits in the like I don't know it. It's not that I hate it. It's just I don't really know what to look for. Mm. Well, when, when you were being taught poetry, it was probably, here's a poem, analyze it, right? Uh, what's, right. The, right. What, what's the dominant theme? What's uh, what see, the adjectives? What's the color blue mean in this poem, right? If you're yeah. doing <laughs> music, and every time you heard Bach or the Beatles, uh, you know, every, every, every time, uh, uh, what's a contemporary artist, I don't know, yeah, Taylor Swift came on. And your parents were like, "Oh, uh, what 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 is the uh, what is the yellow what? submarine in the Beatles?" Right? Like, analyze <laughs> yeah. this for yeah. them, right? Yeah. Like, you would hate it. You would hate oh, yeah. the Beatles. Yeah, uh, you, yeah. And and so that's what they're doing to kids in school, um, and just pounding it into them for four years in high school. Um, they're, and then they're making you skip past the beauty of it to. 
yeah. analyze and, the, like, yeah, the stuff that nobody, like, I'm a music, I'm a, I consider myself a musician, I play a lot of different musical instruments, and I love music, and I like music theory, and I like all that stuff, but if you try to teach somebody that just loves to listen to music, music theory, they're going to hate music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? So, I get yeah. what you're saying there. <laughs> Yeah, um, and then, you know, re poets respond to the stimulus that the readers give them, right? To have great poets, you need to have great readers. And when you're training all your readers to analyze, um, like, analyze everything, poets are going to start producing works that are intended to be analyzed, right? Right, right. And so yes, a lot of, right. A, a lot of modern poetry is not really meant to be enjoyed uh, spoken aloud now. Right. Mo most poetry written today is intended for a college textbook, right? Mm -hmm. um, and yep. and it's just not very good. It's not good poetry. Um, right. Despite, you know, uh, all these poetry magazine, uh, you know, they always say the, the greatest new poets, most of them actually suck. Um, <laughs> they do! Just they to be do! Honest, just to be honest. They don't the words don't like make sense. Sometimes they're not even words. Like I've seen in Poetry Magazine uh, poems that are called poems that are just collages. Yep. How can you? Yeah. I don't yeah. see how you can call that a poem. It's a. It's like non-objective poetry. With weird punctuation, and you know, I think those people. To and some this is extent, beyond E.E. E. Cummings. Deserve like, to be mocked, right? I, uh, yeah. Because because they're doing something, well well they're highly specialized right. Um, some modern poetry is intended for a very very specific kind of person who enjoys the linguistic sound of words right. So mm -hmm. so the really famous poem about the plums right like uh, I ate the plums oh, yeah. in, in that were in the, in ice, the ice box. box. Forgive me, they were delicious right. It, it's a right. beautiful poem when you are very, very attuned to the linguistic sound of words, right? If, you, mm -hmm. if, if you're just like a regular person, you have n like zero interest in that poem. Um, if it's, it's a meme online more than a poem. Anymore, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so, you know, when, the when, you, when you deliberately uh, exclude the majority of your audience, like, why are you surprised nobody cares? Um, so, so poets need to get back to writing about important things, writing librettos, writing um, uh, musicals, writing uh, political commentary in poetry, uh, right? Like, like a poem about right. about our political leaders today. I mean, would just be hysterical, right? I don't, I don't care what oh, side yeah. of the aisle you're on, like. Like just a good rhyming, like oh, that would be hilarious. Um, <laughs> have Have you read um, a poet named Kay Ryan? Before? I love Kay Ryan. Oh wow, she's absolutely one of the best contemporary poets out there. She reminds she, me so she, much of the best of Emily Dickinson. Yes, like she's super metaphysical, loves to play with ideas. And then all her rhymes are inside the line. So, so rather mm -hmm. than the, the rhyme for our listeners uh, who don't know who we're talking about, um, uh, she she plays with ideas, lots of idea puns, lots of ideas, and then um, and then her rhymes are all rather than the rhymes being at the end of the line, they're all inside mm -hmm. and they kind of sneak up on you and surprise you. Uh, so well, that's, if you, that's interesting. If you go, and sometimes they kind of double up online, on each other too. They what? Sometimes they kind of double up on each other too. Like they sometimes do, yeah. there's multiple I'm, rhymes in a line, and it's and they're short too, inventive. like super short poems. Yeah, they're super short, um, so it's really easy to get your feet wet. If you go look her up, uh, read her out loud because you will you will have a ball. Yep. Huh. Yeah. Awesome. So so K Ryan. Uh, Dana Joya, we got a lot of the same, uh, same yeah. poetical interests. This is awesome. Um, there's another poet I really like. Uh, she's a she's actually a Catholic. Um, I don't know. Hey. Sure, I'm not a Catholic, but her name's Mary Shebist, 
S-Z-Y-B-I-S-T. Um, she had a great collection out a, a few years ago now called Incarnadine. And um, there's some very interesting um, and kind of relatable poems in there. She's also a really great reader of her own poetry, too. You'll, you'll, hmm. You can find her on, um, on YouTube. Uh, she has one called um, Two Blank About a Girl Eating Fish Eyes. And it's a it's a poem about grief and uh, seeing this odd th- behavior that this this little girl is doing at a party where like they had like a whole baked fish and the girl just goes and grabs the the eyeballs of the fish and is eating them and she wants desperately to tell her her now passed on friend about this and of course she can't because her friend is no longer with us and. Um, that became so so much more relatable to me after I'd had some notable deaths of people yes. that I knew, and uh, became so much more poignant after I had kind of lived that experience a bit. And it, and it is a, it's a beautiful uh, free verse poem, um, but super cool. I, I really I really like her work a lot, Mary Shebist. I feel like she's written uh, and published in first things, so I probably. The, the fish mm-hmm, probably. poem uh, I seem to be rather familiar with. So she probably published it in First Things, uh, and I read it a while back. Yeah, Interesting yeah it's been around from. a while, because I think it was in Poetry Magazine 2 at one point. Okay. Cool. So, yeah. So, all right. Well, we've talked about the uh, the secular world. Let's talk a little bit about some biblical poetry. What do you think is the power of poetry in the bible like how does it advance the uh the goal of furthering god's revelation what does the genre do for the bible does that make sense yeah um so when when we're talking about the bible right um an interesting thing about the bible about scripture is it really speaks to us as humans in our total humanity. Uh, so rather than just being a logical um, breakdown, right, of syllogisms of God saying, here's, you know, here's the proof that I exist, and then here's how I want you to live, and it's all just very logical, and uh, it's much more uh, immersive than that, right? You need to immerse yourself in Scripture to really get the most out of it. Um, and so... God speaks to us in the totality of our humanity. So he speaks to us in, in um, history, like something like, uh, like Chronicles or Judges. Uh, he speaks to us in um, um, biography, like the Acts of the Apostles or the Gospels. Um, he speaks to us in a prophetic voice, right? Like all the prophecies like Revelation or Ezekiel. And he also speaks to us in poetry, um, because each one of those various uh, styles, if you will, speaks into a certain part of what it means to be human, and he's uh, shaping us as humans, as uh, followers, followers of Christ, uh, in the totality of what we are, right? So, so narrative, it's, it's teaching us something. History is teaching us something. It's, it's talking to a certain part of us. Uh, and so poetry is talking the, 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 the poetic books and, and snippets of poetry that sometimes get inserted into other, other styles are, are talking to us in a certain way and trying to form the part of us to sanctify the part of us that is affected by poetry. Um, lots of poetry, like look at the Psalms. It's not primarily about um, imparting syllogistic truth, right? Like here's a fact about right. God, and here's another fact about God, and here's how they connect. It's much more about um, there are facts about God, and how do I process my emotions, right? right. Um, Song of Solomon is all about uh, how to process. Uh, love and sexual desire as a human, right? Like an incredibly dangerous yet potent and amazing force. Um, and so the the po the poetic parts of scripture are are forming us at a very deep, emotive, uh, sub 
unconscious level, while we can also use them to to in our wonderful Western logical way. Uh, you know, we, we can build systematic theologies using facts pulled from the Psalms. Uh, but the primary purpose of the Psalms is to uh, inform our emotions and, and sanctify uh, our, our longings and, and the parts of us that are affected by poetry. Um, if that makes sense. Ab- absolutely. That was very well explained. I like that. You know, I'm going to circle back to what you said earlier about um, about poetry and, and praise because you can see uh, so many of the, the parts, even in the historical books of the Old Testament, when people are getting ready to praise God or to pray or anything having to do with, um, with man relating to God, it always comes out in a, a poetic expression. And, and, yeah. the, and the, the text of Scripture will break that out you know, when they do the typesetting to show that it's in verse form. Um, yes. And he, I, 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 I think of like, for instance, in Daniel, in Daniel 7, uh, when we get the vision of the, uh, the Ancient of Days on his seat, I actually turned to it in Daniel 7. So like so much of Daniel is a narrative, so it's in paragraph format. It's showing we're telling a story, it's going somewhere. And then we get to this hard to explain outside of our normal experience description of something and what form does it take it takes a poetic form so something elevated something outside of of our of our normal life um even right down to our prayers or the prayers of of people in the bible come out as poetry which i think is Astounding, and it does go back, I think, to what you said before regarding the Imago Day. Because if we're going to, if we're truly going to operate in the Imago Day and have communion with God, uh, it's going to come out in some special language, um, and Absolutely. poetry's perfect for that. And you know, that, I think that's one of the reasons why Paul in Colossians says, um, you know, always be singing psalms and spiritual songs. Um, uh, you know, poetic words set to music. Just fill your heart with mm-hmm. Christ, and then these poetic words uh, set to music will explode out of you, right? Um, mm-hmm. Right. And and so often poetry is mixed with music. Uh, they just go so well together, like peanut butter and jelly, or bourbon and a cigar. That uh, oh yeah you are reformed aren't you oh yeah oh, oh I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I perked up at that last one there yes yes good men good men uh, <laughs> there's nothing better than a book of poetry and and a good cigar with a glass of bourbon um but but I I think you're absolutely right uh uh. In the pattern of Adam, we see beauty and respond with with uh, poetry. What is more beautiful than the Trinitarian uh, Triune God? Right. Um, right. When your heart has right. been has been turned towards Him, and you behold Him in all His glory uh, in Scripture, um, there there will be a outpouring of praise. Uh, and, and I think Paul hits it very practically on the head when he says, uh, sing songs and spiritual, uh, psalms and spiritual songs. Um, just as a, you're, you might not be a poetry guy, but if you're a music person, everybody's a music person. That's a great oh, way yeah. to incorporate poetry into your, your worship, right? Okay, so this is, this is kind of related, but have you ever heard... Um, the psalms either read or sung in Hebrew? I have not, but I, I have it on good authority that like it's almost like an organ uh, quality, like very majestic and thunder. Dude, it's crazy. And like they rhyme or or sometimes kind of like slant rhyme or have assonance or whatever. Right. But yeah. um it is it's totally it's totally other. 
um, than what than what we normally think when we're reading the Psalms in our even in in the best translations. Uh, it's it's on a whole other level. Um, I remember I heard on a podcast. It was a ninety two Y podcast, and I forget the guy now who um, he did like a literary translation of the Psalms, and he tried to like bring out some of the musical nature of the Hebrew language um, in it in the, in the English. But at the reading, he um, he read a couple different psalms. One of them was Psalm 8, and he read it in Hebrew first, and then somebody else read it in English afterward. Uh, it's out there. It's actually really good. It's long, but um, he read Psalm 8 in Hebrew, and there was it was so... It was musical. Like, he wasn't singing it or anything, but it was just simply musical, just even in, in reading it. Uh, it was incredible. So I, I always found that. that. I always find that interesting when you listen to music or words in another language, and then when you translate it to, let's say, English, because that's what we're speaking, um, how it the meaning of the words might be there, maybe 80% of it, but you always lose some meaning, and it loses it loses like something when you translate it from, from the original language. It's... It, it's it's always interested me when you listen to like a song that's in Italian and you translate mm-hmm. it to English, it, you, it loses something yeah. that it, it's, it, I don't know. It, it just always interested me. Languages and translations and stuff like that always interested me. Yeah. You can get the substance of what they're saying, but that whole artistry you're that still, goes into it. Yeah. You're, you're missing something. It's not all there. Yeah. Um, Even in a German opera somehow. <laughs> How you can make German sound sound musical is quite a, a feat that only a, an artist or a poet could could The uh, grace accomplish. of God alone, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Is German considered one of the the romance languages? I don't believe so. I was going to say I don't know how. Maybe yeah, it's, since it's we're the number 19 podcast yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, maybe since we're the number 19 podcast in Romania, maybe some of our Romanian listeners can help us uh, get a hold of some some good <laughs> some good right. Romanian opera music or something so we can right. celebrate need, their language too. <laughs> I still need a t-shirt that says number 19 in Romania. <laughs> <laughs> it's on our Twitter bio now. <laughs> what oh, an good. incredible factoid. Like, isn't that great? <laughs> It was like a random text one day from Lee. We're number nineteen in Romania, and that like it made my day. Uh, it's the best. Wow. So, uh, really, my my final question is: maybe um, do you have some particular poetic passages from the Bible that stand out to you that maybe you'd want to read? Uh, Since it is guys with Bibles, absolutely. Uh, a favorite passage of poetry from Scripture. Um, so, so my favorite scriptures are always the, in the book that I am currently reading. Um, you know, I always think, oh, this as it is, should be like, this is the best, right? Like I've never <laughs> seen anything like this in scripture. And then I read another book and I'm like, oh, this is the best, right? Like, <laughs> um, and so I'm reading Ecclesiastes right now, which is just like mind blowing. Sean's going to be thrilled uh, about this, Sean. <laughs> Oh, do you enjoy I lo- Ecclesiastes? I love Ecclesiastes. I just finished studying through it uh, not too long ago. And I'm just beginning. Awesome. Um, but he has some just some great poetic sections in Ecclesiastes of what life uh, is like when you remove God from the equation, um, what life is like as we live currently under the curse Right, the, the 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 meaninglessness, the vanity, the ephemerality of it all, um, because we've been cursed by God, uh, and so um, you know, just Ecclesiastes one. Do I do I just start reading now or go for it? Yeah, okay, totally. awesome. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so Ecclesiastes one. You have that beautiful passage. You know, um, vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. 
What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, See, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. I mean, just the gloriousness of that language. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, Fantastic. That's awesome. um, now, also, now, what what translation are you reading out of? Uh, the ESV. Okay. All right. Yes. Like a good Baptist, Sean. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sean's our I resident read the, CSB. I read the the cool Southern Baptist translation. So <laughs> the the Southern Baptist translation, the the CSB. Otherwise known as the Christian Standard Bible. <laughs> oh, the Christian Standard Bible. Yes, yes. I do like cool Southern Baptist though. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm Reformed Baptist, but I attend a Southern Baptist church. Uh, so do you? Okay. Fun. That makes things fun. Oh, oh I'm sure. I'm yes. sure. There's like a civil war going on in the SBC with that. Oh, yeah. Well, mostly they're just, you know, older folks who are like, don't drink, don't smoke, and then I roll up with my bourbon and my cigar, and they're like, yep. what? You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Sean, did you have a, a passage of poetry you wanted to Well, you to know, read? I was going to read Psalm 88, because that's my absolute favorite psalm. Um, but, it. well, I also feel that the second chapter of Jonah, which Jonah is my favorite book of the Bible. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, the second chapter, when he's praying from the belly of the fish, that, that ha- that's very poetic, his prayer. And uh, I kind of wanted to read that prayer. Read it. Okay, I'm going to read it. Now, this is out of the CSB, so it's not going to be the same as your guys's, Because I'm pretty sure you both have an ESV. <laughs> it would be correct. Now I feel like I have to go get my ESV, because you're going to make fun of me. Not at all. But, but I just enjoy this passage. It's, uh... I don't know, it delivers a lot of hope um, to those who... To everybody that reads it, and you can really see where... Jonah, he like literally hits rock bottom and he uh, like quite literally hits rock bottom <laughs> and, and, and he uh, finally God is able to bring him to repentance, but he had to real he had to do, he had to hit rock bottom before it actually happened. But uh, so we're going to start in verse two of chapter two of Jonah. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Sheol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me, but I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to the neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains. The earth's gates shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. 
But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then he's thrown up onto dry land by the fish. Uh, But I just, especially uh, verse 6 really is has always standed out to me. It, it, I sank to the foundations of the mountains and the earth's gate shut behind me forever. Literally, I mean, he's he thought he was going to die, like and and spiritually he was di- he, you know, he was dead as well. He had mm-hmm. turned completely away from God. But then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. And um that mixed with uh, the very end of verse 9 when he says, uh, salvation belongs to the Lord. I said this when we went over Jonah, Lee, but it's almost as if Jonah was a Calvinist. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, it's just a, it's a beautiful prayer. It's one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture and uh, from my favorite book of Scripture. So, Well, and that's a really good... That. That- that passage is a really good example of what Jordan was talking about before, where, um, yes, we, we do have some hard facts about God in there, like right there at the end, salvation belongs to the Lord, and yet it's also couched in some really beautiful poetic language about, you know, being at being in being stuck in the depths and the gates being closed on him, because um, that's how that's how it would feel in the moment. Uh, that's kind of the kind of the strength of poetic language, you know, being able to take that experience and translate it over into this current one. Um, it's really awesome. Uh, and then I I just had um, just a, from a couple utterances from uh, Revelation five, since we were talking about um, poetry and scripture a lot of times being about praise and singing. Um, so these are. Uh, These are songs uh, from Revelation 5. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might, and honor and glory and blessing. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. That's yeah. one of my faves. Yeah, I always, especially in Revelation, when when uh, these songs are sang or uh, or written down, the I it's so it's so cool that it's, and of course it should be, but that it is all centered on. Christ and his blood and it's it's just it's so central and I think especially a lot of mainline Christian uh, circles traditions today uh, forget that unfortunately totally do uh, they they look past that and uh, it's just it's it's obviously central to everything if you don't have that what are you gonna sing about what is there to sing about exactly there's nothing to sing about crazy well jordan is there anything else anything else you want to say or or uh remind the listeners where to find you well if uh if you made it all the way through this podcast uh (laughs) talking about poetry and you still think you won't like it hit me up on facebook and uh and shoot me a message and i will direct you towards some awesome poetry uh, and then you can also keep track via Facebook of my audiobooks. And if you see anything you like, you yeah. can go for it. Um, but, but definitely hit me up on Facebook, uh, or visit my website if you're interested in the audiobooks, uh, at just jordanriggle.com. Uh, that's my name, J-O-R-D-A-N, like the river in the Bible, and then Riggle. <laughs> German, a solid German name, uh, R-I-G-G-L-E dot com. Um, and and hopefully I would love to, to get a flood of people messaging me uh, saying, oh, I've never I've never tried poetry before. What do you recommend? <laughs> I, I have some 
awesome. Oh, I I hope that works out. You well, I can on the other end of I, this podcast. I can tell you, Jordan. As soon as we're done here, I'm going to Facebook stalk you and <laughs> um, me- send you a message so you as can send me some recommendations. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's not really stalking <laughs> if it's one brother in Christ doing it to another brother in Christ. <laughs> That's right. right. That's right. It doesn't qualify. <laughs> no, I'm going to message you so I can get a list. I need a list. You need yes. a list. And then, yes, uh, you do. Yeah. Yes. So I need, but yes, I will. Well, Jordan, thanks for doing this. I really enjoyed this conversation. This was so uh, so fun and refreshing because I have had nobody to talk about poetry with. So this is uh, this is great, and I think I think our listeners will will appreciate it a lot. So yeah, Sean. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say it's been super fun. Uh, you, uh, as a poetry lover, you very rarely get to meet uh, another poetry lover in the flesh. So mm-hmm. it's nice to actually uh, be able to talk rather than just chat over Facebook comments. That's right. Yeah. You got to maintain those human connections even in the quarantine. Even in the So quarantine. this is one way to do it. <laughs> Sean, where can they find us? Well, you can go to our website, guyswithbibles.com. There you can uh, stream our podcast or uh, jump on and read our blogs that me and Lee write. Uh, You can also subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or whatever you use to listen to podcasts with. Subscribe and uh, leave us a five-star review if you can. We'd appreciate it. Please. And uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Guys With Bibles. And you can email us directly if you have any comments or questions. Uh, We love emails. It's guyswbibles at gmail.com. And we are part of the Bar Network of Podcasts, so jump over and uh, check out all the awesome podcasts in the network. Uh, They're all solid, good content. So check them out. I think that's it. I think that is it. All right. Well, this is Guys with Bibles, and we're out.